Good morning, let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Count your many blessings, and then this is my Father's world. Glad to have you in service today. Let's lift up our voices as we worship our Lord and Savior. Count your many blessings. When upon life's pillows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, named it one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, named it one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. today. Let's open up with a, a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, with humble hearts, desiring to lift you up and exalt you. And I do pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs our souls and draws us nearer to you. Be with us as we sing praises, as we lift our hearts up to you in prayer, as we open up your holy word, that in every way you might help us to be conformed to your image. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated. Thank you. 
Men, would you please stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, This is Amazing Grace, and here I am to worship.
you very much, Brother John. I would like you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3, as I continue our series, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, looking at loving life and seeing good days. If you'll turn with me, we're going to read verses, I'm going to read to you verses uh, 1 down through 10, but we're really going to focus on verses 12, 13, and 14 this morning. Uh, and the title of this morning's message in this series is Loving Life While Loving God. And we're going to find in verses 12 through 14 his challenge to you and I concerning loving the Lord as we love life. But I'm going to read to you verses 1 down through 10 so that we get the context of 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversations of the wives, while they behold their chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. But after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto, unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are there unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil in his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears upon open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? If ye be followers of that which is good, but, and if, ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, nor the, neither be troubled. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we look into these verses this morning, I pray that you help us to be those people who truly desire to love life and see good days. Help us to take these principles that are woven through these verses. Be more than hearers, but doers of your word. That we might be people who live our faith day by day. In our homes, in our church, in our community. As we go about our business. Help us to live that which we say we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I told you this morning, the title of our message in the series is Loving Life While Loving God. And when we start there in that very first verse of verse 12, 
we see it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. He's talking about you and I. The righteous are those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, who have embraced him as the Messiah, who have laid their sins aside by confessing to God, Yes, I am a sinner. You are the Savior. By taking that step of accepting him into our hearts and lives that we might have eternal life. We are those who is speaking to when he says to us, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Part of loving life while loving God is recognizing that Christianity is more than religion. It is a relationship. It's a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a personal relationship with our God. It's something that touches us every day in every way. And he starts off in this text by saying to us, he's watching over you. He sees our lives. He beholds the lives that we live. He cares about what you're doing. He cares about Jack going into vegetable farming. Jack's been working at a vegetable farm for a number of years, every summer, right, Jack? And God saw, God knew. And now Jack feels in his heart that God would have him learn more and to be involved in that. You know what? That doesn't escape God's observation. Emily, as she looks to go to college in Florida, the Lord knows. He's seen her search for, for colleges and her mom and her journeying to different schools to see. None of that has escaped God's observation. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. I find it interesting that in the middle of the verse he says, God, as he looks and watches, beholding all that's transpiring throughout the ends of the world, he's looking for those places where he can show himself strong. He wants to show you and he wants to show me in our lives how he's at work. And whether it be in our marriage at home, our business at work, whether it be in our church or our community, God sees, he beholds, and he wants to show himself strong. Proverbs 15, 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding both evil and good. So we understand that God sees all, doesn't he? He doesn't turn his eyes away when we're in rebellion. He sees our rebellion. He's there beckoning and speaking to us. He's there trying to help us to work out of that, that we might come back to a walk, a relationship with him because he cares. That's why his eyes are looking and beholding. Sometimes people misunderstand God and they think God is nothing about, nothing about anything but judging. And that's not who God is. While yes, he is the great judge, but he's also balanced in that he is the great blesser, rewarder of all that which is good. So when we look at this text and we understand that as he speaks to us, that he himself is watching. His eyes are over the righteous. And look at the second part of that verse 12. He says, in his ears 
are open unto their prayers. You see, we love him because he first loved us. That's what the New Testament teaches us. Not only is he observing our lives, he's listening to our prayers. He wants to be connected with us. He wants to know. He wants to hear from you about your heart. It's not that he doesn't already know, because he can see the thoughts and intents of our heart. But he wants to hear it from us. It's kind of like you that are older and your kids have wandered off. We'll take Miss Emily as she goes to Florida. because she, she really wants me to keep embarrassing her this morning. <laughs> but when she goes to Florida down there, do you know what her mom's going to do up here? She's going to wait for that phone call. She's going to wait for that phone call. She's going to wait to hear, how's Emily doing? How's her roommates? How's things going at school? Has she made friends? Is everything okay? That's how a parent is. And that's how God is with you and I. He wants to hear those prayers. Even though he has that incredible ability to see all things and know all things, he wants to hear from us. And the text specifically says his ears are open to our prayers. When we look in uh, John chapter 9 verse 31, it says, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So we understand that, you know what, our relationship with God is unique. He is selective about who he listens to. It says to us that he heareth not the sinners. Those who don't know and love God. Those who reject God and don't care about God. But all of a sudden they cry out. They cry out for him to bless them or provide for them or give to them. He says, they don't know me and they don't love me. They're not mine. They're not my child. He says, I hear them not. But, he says, those who worship me, those who do my will, he says in John 9, 31, I hear their prayers. His ears are open to his children. A number of years ago, I got a phone call at the house. The phone rang and I picked it up. And this girl starts talking to me and she's trying to make out like she's my daughter. Now, I'm thinking I should be able to recognize my own daughter, wouldn't you think? And so she's talking to me and she's telling me, Dad, I need you to go ahead and uh, send me some money and the blah, 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 blah. And I'm saying, and she was off at college at the time. It's been quite a while ago. I said, Joy, because that's my daughter's name. I said, I don't think this is you. No, Dad, it is. I said, no, it's not. And I just started chatting to this person until finally they hung up with me. <laughs> but we know our children, don't we? I mean, I would hope we would know our children well enough to not get scammed, but our own child is calling us for money. God also, he knows his children. And when you and I bow our head and we reach up in our heart in prayer, God knows. He hears us. His ears are open to us. Look with me, if you would, to the book of James, chapter 5. And in the book of James, we find a text that talks to us about prayer. 
prayer between us and our Heavenly Father. Look down with me at verses 13 down through. It says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the of and the prayer of faith shall save the sinner. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if any have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 just talks about the power of prayer. God's ear open to us. He's saying to us, listen, if you are afflicted in life, if things are hard, things are not going the way you had hoped, you're facing mountains that you seem to not be able to climb. He said, if you are afflicted, pray. If you are sick and you're facing all those things that come upon the body as the body breaks down, he says, pray. You and I that are weighted down, pulled down by sin. He says, pray and God will forgive your sin. And then it's interesting in verse 16, he says, share your burdens one with another. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. Each of us in our lives, we need to pray for one another. That's why I challenged you about these high schoolers. They're graduating high school. They thought that, man, if I could just make it through high school, it's going to be so good. <laughs> and you and I know they just went from here to here. Then they're going to graduate college and they're going to go, Pew! and it's going to get, the, the, the hillsides get steeper and harder, don't they? I know I, I was talking to uh, actually Ann's son-in-law yesterday at uh, Emily's graduation party. And so I was talking to her son-in-law, Aaron, who's in the ministry in Massachusetts. And we were talking about second children because Kelsey walked by and he was carrying his little boy. And uh, we got in a conversation. I introduced Kelsey to Aaron and uh, they talked about babies because that's what young fathers do, right? And uh, it came up that Jenny's going to have a second baby. She's, getting, she's pregnant, going to have another baby. And uh, Aaron said to him, oh boy. Everybody told me how what a huge shift and difference it would be when you have two. He said, I thought, oh, how can it be harder? You got one, what, two. He said, man, after I had that second one, he said, Wow, how much harder that was. I was talking to a mom not too long ago who had eight children. And uh, she told me, she said, actually, after the first three, they kind of all blended in together. <laughs> she said, wasn't hard at all. I'm thinking, wow, that's a different perspective. But the reality is, you know what? God says, come to him in prayer. We need support one for another. We need to support our young people. 
We need to support in prayer our young mothers and fathers who are having children. We need to pray for those working families where mom and dad are both struggling to go ahead and meet all the obligations of raising their children. And then all of a sudden they're an empty nester. We need to pray for all of those older folks as they face in the horizon all the changes and shifts that life brings. God says, I'm listening. I want to hear from you. I want to hear about your afflictions. I want to hear about your illnesses. I want to hear about the sins that have crept into your life as you confess them and I forgive them. He says, I want you to pray for one another, according to verse 16. You and I, we understand that being a Christian is more than just going to church. Being a Christian is more than just going through a ritual. It's a relationship of God observing our life and us involving Him in our daily walk, us talking to Him and knowing He cares. As we come down in our text, go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. And we find that he talks about our mindset. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter 3, 13 and 14. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Sandra, Joe, and I often talk about being happy as a choice. And that's what he's talking about here. Listen again what he says there in the middle of verse 14. But, but if any of you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. Now we step back and we think to ourselves, well, he's talking about affliction. He's talking about others persecuting you. And he's saying we should be happy. Well, there's a little more to it. But happiness is really a choice in all of life. Every single person in here will face deep valleys, steep mountains, as well as nice level plains in their life. And you choose whether to be happy. You can wake up every morning and you can be Mr. or Miss Cranky Pants, can't you? <laughs> or you can go ahead and choose to face life by saying, you know what? It could be much worse than it is. And my God sees my life. He hears my prayers. And he's going to walk through whatever it is I face. He is there with me. You see, that gives us joy. It gives us happiness to know I am not alone. I'm not facing the same trials and struggles that everybody else faces by myself. He is there with me. When you look at verse 13, he poses to us a question. He says, who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Because he wants us to understand life is a life of choices. So it's a choice to be happy. And it's a choice about what you experience concerning good or bad. The consequences of good and bad decisions. The consequences of good and bad actions. He says to us in the verse, 
Who is it that would harm you if you be followers of that which is good? He wants you to step back and think about that for a minute. Well, if I live a life that is a good life, if I live a life that honors God, it, it does that which is right, that which is good, who would harm me for that? Now we know there's more to it because he's going to touch it on verse 14. But he really wants us to understand that on the overall 99.99% of the time, people are happy for you when you're living a good life. Now there are the oddballs. There, there are the things that just kind of go off in left field. But on the overall, God is saying, who's going to be opposed to you living a good life? Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father as in heaven. You see, He wants us to live a good life. Do good works. Do those things that are right and true. Why? Because they glorify Him. Titus chapter 1, uh, Titus chapter 3 verse 8 says, This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. He continues to drive home the point that life is full of decisions and choices. And the choice to be happy is pretty connected to the choice to do good. I was just talking to, to Dave just before I came up to preach, and he was talking to me about his daughter over in Guam. In Guam, uh, she's in a ministry over there, and Guam just got hit by a historical typhoon and destroyed so much there on the island. And right now, she has no power. So they, they at nighttime, he was telling me, they go sit in their front yard, and across the road and out in the way is the barrio where all these folks who are not part of the ministry, who are rough living, he said they're out there, they're having machete fights, cursing, fighting, and they sit and they watch all the entertainment of this craziness that's going over there. They got electricity. The barrio power came on. The city came and got their power back over there. And so their daughter was checking into it. It turns out the police said, we're tired of going into that area with no lights. You need to get power into this community because when we go in there to break, break up the fights every night and we go in there to try to calm things down, it's pitch black. We want lights. So they pulled the lights up in that area. So when I say that who would be opposed to the good, sometimes there's weird things that happen. Here they're going to turn the lights on for the bad and the folks over here are doing good, they get no power. And so when you look at verse 14 in our text, you see that God acknowledges sometimes things don't go that way. He asks us the question, who who would be opposed to you living good? But look at verse 14. What's he saying? But if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. 
Vanji's daughter said, she, she said to the rest of the people in the ministry, she said, you know what, we need to just start fighting over here. If, if we just start fighting and screaming and fighting and hitting and all that, maybe they'll turn on our electricity too. But you know that's not the answer, and she wasn't serious. But when you look at the text, God says, there are times when goodness is not rewarded. There are times when suffering comes, even for righteousness sake. But he said, happiness is a choice. And even during those times of struggle, even during those times of suffering, even during those times of persecution, he says, be happy. Be not afraid of their terror, and neither be troubled. He's challenging you and I to step back and say, you know what? Life is made up of ups and downs. It can't always be up. And when you face the downs, he says, be happy. Don't be afraid of those troubles. Don't be afraid of those things that are going to come in life. Face them. Pray over them. Know God has seen them and is aware and that he's on your side. And strive to be happy. Luke chapter 6 verses 22 and 23 says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. Wow. Leap for joy. So he's telling us, choose to be happy. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. When? When people hate you. When people break fellowship from you. They separate from you. When people bring reproach or say hateful things about you. Or cast your name as evil. He says, rejoice and jump for joy. Now the context of all that is, look at Jesus. For he faced all those things and more. He faced the persecution, the rejection. He faced the accusations. He even faced crucifixion. So God is telling us life, life is a choice every day. You choose to be happy or you choose to be mad. You choose to live life with a chip on your shoulder, waiting for somebody to knock it off. You choose whether you're going to go ahead and get up in the morning angry and bitter or whether you're going to wake up and say, Lord, help me to lay that anger and bitterness aside. Lord, help me to forget about those who have pushed me away. Help me to forget about those people who have said hateful things about me. Lord, help me to, help me to get past this point in my life. Help me to be happy in you. For you see, Lord, and you hear, and you answer my prayers, and I rest in you. Loving life and seeing good days. We have to decide that we want that or not. There are people who just 
They like to be miserable. Have you ever met somebody like that? I've met folks who absolutely, they like being unhappy. For years, I worked in a machine shop. That's how I went through college. That's how I paid for the early years of ministry to feed our family. The Lord always provided for us. And so I worked in machine shops from Massachusetts to Kansas. Wherever the Lord put me, I'd work either full-time or part-time. But I was working with a guy in Massachusetts years and years ago. I was associate pastor at a church, uh, Temple, uh, Temple Baptist Church. Wow, I've, has it been that many years, Dick? I can't remember the name of the church. Uh, but anyways, I was working in a machine shop in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts. And I worked with a guy, he was, I was a lathe man and he was a milling machine guy. And at lunchtime we would visit. I, I, I always witness to people and chat with people and talk to people. And so he told me, he said, oh yeah, you Christians. He said, my wife is a Christian. And she is on me all the time to become a Christian. Well, you know, I, I worked with him for several years. And over time, he opened up to the gospel. And one day, as we were visiting, he received Christ as his Savior. Amen. Went home and told his wife. Because she was miserably unhappy with him as an unbeliever. Oh, I mean, they all the time she was, because he wouldn't become a Christian, she was just miserable. So I figured, man, she's going to, wow, this is going to be hallelujah here. She's, he's going to come home and say, I received Jesus as my Savior. And she's going to be pumped. Within six months, she divorced the guy. <laughs> he, he came home. He told her that he was a Christian. That he's changing his life. He struggled with alcoholism. He dropped alcohol. He, he changed his entire life. Went to church with her every service. But she didn't have anything to be mad about anymore. She, she couldn't wake up every morning ticked off that he wouldn't become a Christian. He told me, he says, I'm telling you, I became a Christian and it made her more miserable. She couldn't be happy. She's so unhappy, she left me. And I thought to myself, wow. That's, that's like on the Richter scale of the end of the whole deal, I would have never seen that coming. But there are people who just like to be miserable, aren't there? And when good things come, they do everything to try to sabotage them, to make them not good. God says to you and I, learn to love life. Learn to seek good days. You choose with your walk with Christ. He sees your life. He hears your prayers. He knows what's going on in your life. You choose. You choose to walk with him in happiness through, yes, the deep valleys, the persecutions, the rejections, the bitterness, all the things that comes into life. But he says, if you'll just pray, he says, I'll be there with you through those afflictions. If you'll just pray, I'll be there with you through sickness. He says, if you'll just pray, I'll forgive you of those sins that so easily trip you up in life. In fact, he says, pray for one another. 
Because God wants to be involved in your life. He wants you to love life and see good days. We make the choice. We make the choice. Whether we live our faith and walk with him. Let's have a word of prayer. We're going to be dismissed. And I know John is going to close you in a chorus. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, as we go forth, please help us to make the choice to be happy every day. And Lord, while I know that that's not easy, and I know there are many obstacles to that, but Lord, you see and you hear, you know and you help. Help us to make the choice to love life and see good days in our home, on our workplace, in our church, throughout our community. Help us to do the good works that reveal you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.